The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! And I'm here to talk to you a little bit about yeah, the hits this week, James. I, I couldn't help but notice you, you walked into my room uh, unannounced. James, well, I guess this is your announcement, but you've just walked into my room, Mr. Paulie Kasem. James, James, this is Paulie Kasem, okay? And I have come here to do a countdown all over you. <laughs> you know it's four in the morning, right? Like, it's... It's it's very early in the morning. We'll be seeing a lot more of Paulie Case in this episode. And welcome <laughs> to the Third Men podcast, a Jack White history podcast where we go through Jack White history and music and in some cases do fun topics like the one we're going to do today. But first, I am your co-host, Paulie Kasem. Ah, uh, Paulie Kasem, I literally hate you. <laughs> Uh, with all of the fiber of my being, speaking of fibers, the sweatshirt that you have is bold and beautiful, and may I say it, it's quite lovely. I'm your other co-host, <laughs> James Kaminsky. I don't foresee our friendship blossoming, Mr. Pauly Kasem. James and Pauly Kasem. Oh, man. Uh, today on the Third Men podcast, we're going to do a topic which I must confess, I had a lot of fun um, putting together here. We are going to be examining, James, the hits, Jack White's greatest hits. And what I've done is assembled, in the most traditional sense, a greatest hits album and CD 
of Jack White, what would be considered to be his most commercial, his most wide-reaching, greatest hits. James, I'm very excited. There's a lot yes. of hits being. There's a lot of hits flying around here. I got Paulie Kasem in the corner. Uh, the cat's taking a huge. <laughs> there's many things happening in the apartment at this moment, James. Yeah, I'm excited too. I've been excited since you told me about this. I've also been wondering, Paul, how is this going to be different than Jack White's acoustic recordings, 1998 to 2016? Well, James, I'm glad you asked that. But before we get into that, there's okay. really one thing we should stop doing, James. Well, Paul, it's it appears that we're breaking down an awful lot on this call. We should probably uh, we and should now probably jump stop on the countdown. <laughs> Yes, it's yeah, breaking down. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Please stop breaking down. Just go to the roll to the segment. Roll roll tape. Everybody, roll roll tape. Swag, roll tape. Uh, every now and then we get something wrong in this show, which and by every now and then I mean pretty much every episode we get something wrong. Try and find it this episode. When you do, you can shoot those falsehoods right back at us. Yeah, yeah. you can take Make them Casey Kasem style. Rub our noses in it. Right. Yeah, you can take them Casey Kasem style and make a list and uh, send it right over to us, and we'll we'll correct them and give you guys credit because honestly. We need to stop breaking down. Yeah. So this one, actually, James, is one I found, and I was able to find this on my own from the Robert Johnson episode 20, uh, where we went through Delta Blues legend and king of the Delta Blues singers, Robert Johnson's biography and how he affected music and everything. And James, we spoke in that episode, if you recall, about his untimely death. Yes. Yes. And how he was possibly murdered most foully. And we said that Johnson had this cool grave. And I had mistakenly said, because it said this, I forget, I forget it was in the documentary if I found it online. I don't remember the source. Maybe it's part of the problem. But the source said that on Robert Johnson's grave, it said resting in the blues. And I found when I was putting together the blog post for our episode 20 an actual photo it appears of robert johnson's grave and that phrase is nowhere to be found on it it was a mistake on my part in fact what it says is he influenced millions beyond his time which is also a beautiful statement if i don't say so myself yeah yeah it it should have also written on there paul will get something wrong (laughs) yeah because uh uh, we broke down (laughs) you're still breaking down Now, James, before we went to the Stop Breaking Down segment, you asked a very important question, and that was how does this greatest hits package I have assembled differ from the acoustic recordings 1998 to 2016? That's right. James, I find that to be a fabulous question. I'm going to go ahead and shoot you right to the top of the charts. Paul Kasem. Ladies and gentlemen. I, uh... Um... The reason it's different, James, is that, you know, we talked about it on episode three when we reviewed and analyzed that album. Mm -hmm. That wasn't really a greatest hits. 
it had elements of a greatest hits compilation. It sort of skirted the edge of a greatest hits compilation. But in the end, it was more of an anthology of a style, and I don't know if you would classify that under the criteria of greatest hits, because when I think of greatest hits, I think of a usually a single album or CD that has the most commercially successful versions that people would know of that band, group, person, composer, artist, what have you. Uh, for instance, James, I walked into Amoeba Music looking for a greatest hits compilation of Toto because I really <laughs> wanted to hear what were the most hitful songs from the uh, 80s, 1980s band Toto. No, Paul, let's let's be serious. You just wanted to hear the rains down in Africa. <laughs> I did. This is true. I wanted to hear that in Toe the Line, or whatever that's called. You um, wanted to hear it in Totology. Yeah, it's <laughs> the total of Toto. If I was going to try and find songs via the band Toto, I would not be looking for, hey, I'd really love it if I had only their acoustic versions of certain songs, and I'd like that in a double LP set. And if you could go ahead and take some of the stank off of them in the meantime, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> Not, not what I was looking for, for Toto. Okay, so I set some criteria out when I was going through and saying, okay, well, what would a Jack White, like a traditional Jack White greatest hits package consist of? So I set out certain criteria. Standard single album length. I'm talking for the package in total. Okay. For the album, the LP, I did a 13-song set. Seven songs on side A, six songs on side B. That would about fit an LP, and you know Jack would put a Greatest Hits out on a record. So, okay, I made a sort of a, a truncated cut for an album. Okay. And I figured 13 with the three, you know, I was trying to keep it with the, with the songs, right? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. But I also figured for a standard commercial CD, you could fit more, and there were other songs worthy of inclusion. So I made that a 21-song set for Freedom at 21, and that contains many more of the hits that didn't make it onto the LP. And when I say didn't make it, I'm setting the bar at purely commercial success. So I did a deep, deep dive into every chart I could find out there. I'm talking digging through old billboard charts. I found an awesome resource online for UK charts and how long they were on there, how long they were off I kind of went a little nuts. Paul went to old billboards that were lining the <laughs> mi the roadsides of middle America. Yeah. Stripping off paint, seeing if Jack White was under there. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Depp dressed as uh, Tonto or whatever was crying by it. Yeah. <laughs> he was Tonto, right? Whatever. No, it's Toto, Paul. So I also took a couple other things into account as special circumstances. We're talking like ex especially pervasive commercial usage, cultural stuff, but the, the criteria is still it had to be a single. It couldn't be a non-single album track. Your zeitgeist songs as opposed to your exactly. billboard tracking songs or your statistical hits. Right. And Billboard can actually quantify some of that because at a certain point, they start introducing these charts that are solely based on radio play, which is kind of neat. And I got to learn all about the charts, man. There are like 40 charts and they're all ranged in different ways. And there's like one, you know, there's like the main one, you know, and then mm -hmm. a 
billion little subcategories. And then I made a couple exceptions for collaborations. My thinking was, if Jack Wright at the very least co-wrote the song, and at the very least contributed vocally to the song, and if the song was especially successful, if people would know the song A and B that he was on it or a part of it, I included it in the in the listing. All right. So there was a lot of different criteria here. Now, I'm sure, James, you could venture a couple guesses here as to what songs might appear on this. Do you want to venture a couple guesses just off the dome? Yeah. Uh, you got Who's a Big Baby? Yeah. Blues on Two Trees. Whoa. Up. Track two. <laughs> uh, the Blues on Reprise at the end. It's an extended version. It's seven minutes long. It's go for you. Do you want to venture some guesses here? Or you want me to? Do you want me to start yeah, uh, right yeah, into it? Uh, Paul, I've been venturing guesses for a while now. And, all right. Do you want to venture some like serious? You, yeah, guesses. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, Seven Nation Army, obviously, going to be on there. Num- number one. I know they're going to confirm no deny. That's the, on the Jamesy Kasem's Billboard Tap charts. Oh, here it comes. You've got Seven Nation Army as, as, as your number one. You've got. Hardest button to button's gonna be on there. You've got, uh, I could tell we're gonna be friends is gonna be on there. We've got probably, and I say probably, steady as she goes is gonna be on there. Uh, Yeah, those are some solid, solid guesses, James. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have, uh, Hotel Yorba is probably going to make it on there. My doorbell, possibly. It's getting a little out there though. I don't see I'm trying to think of solo stuff but the only solo stuff I can think of that really resonated was Lazaretto to an extent and there's gotta be one more there's just gotta be well James what you're doing right now is kind of how I set out to do this I sort of started with listing every single And then Mm. I went through and said, okay, which ones do I expect to be on here? And I got to tell you, there's a lot of overlap in what we thought. And and then I went through and actually did the research. The results will surprise you. Oh, fantastic. About 50% of what you just mentioned didn't make the cut. And I thought really? it would have. So there's uh, there's a range here. But we'll start, we'll just go through the LP that I put together, and then we'll kind of touch on the CD, what I added to the CD, and we'll, we'll do it that way here. But are you ready to start, James? Ready to start, 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 start? I'm rolling in on a burning tire. Let's do this thing, Paul. So, James, I kicked my listing off with a track that should be a surprise to no one that it is on here it is in fact the first song you listed when you were guessing and that is seven nation army yeah it seems like an obvious choice to have seven nation army on this one that was his greatest hit i'd i'd say of his career hopefully not his last but you know i'd say thus far it has been his greatest hit james that is an astute observation Seven Nation Army was a great pick there. It's a good one, I think, for a Greatest Hits collection to kind of kick in the door with because it's famous for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, it's the song that made Jack, I think, a household name. We've talked about it on the show before. If White Blood Cells introduced him to the music crowd, Elephant and Seven Nation Army opened him up to the rest of the world. And it's very popular in a lot of different avenues here. Shockingly, though... Mm-hmm. It is not the White Stripes' most popular, as in 
biggest selling song? Really? And the answer will surprise you. And I'm going to go ahead and save that for when we get to that song because the answer shocked the hell out of me. But let's talk a little bit about Seven Nation Army. It was on the album Elephant, released in April of 2003. Now you see, start to see a pattern in single release as it relates to album release. So th- this single was released in March of 2003 in advance of the album. What we see more often than not is singles released in advance of the album tend to do better than singles released after the fact. Now, that could be coincidence because you figure they're going to put their best foot forward and release what they feel like is their best song as the first single, and that usually comes before an album. Okay. But does correlation always mean causation in that instance? I'm not so sure. I think it might also have to do with, like, Buzz. Buzz's girlfriend woof yeah it has mostly to do with buzz with buzz from home alone no for three reasons a i'm not that lucky he didn't mean that apology (laughs) buzz who are you kidding you called me a trout sniffer or whatever you called me weird pervert term you called me Look what you did, you little jack. The single is released in March in advance of the album. It hit number one in U.S. hot modern rock tracks. We're going to get into sort of the subtle differences between these different charts, but modern rock tracks is also another way of saying alternative rock tracks. Okay. They renamed it at a certain point when the term alternative kind of got a little, like, I don't want to say passe, but almost irrelevant. You know, indie kind of replaced alternative and... Yeah, I can see that. It, it It's branched off into many, many more subgenres. That's a good way to put it. So this song was the third best performing song of the entire decade on that chart, the alternative mm. rock charts, which wow. is not, not a small thing. Pretty big. Yeah. This is one of the very few entries that Jack White made to the Billboard Hot 100, the traditional U.S. singles chart. Can you guess, James, at what chart position Seven Nation Army entered the U.S. Hot 100 singles charts? Hot 100. Oof. So that's Uh, everybody. uh, I'm going to go with number six. Number six. Number six. You're close. It came in at number 76. What? That's not even close at all. Well, it had a six in it. Uh, (laughs) Shockingly low on that chart. But really, Jack doesn't get a whole lot higher than this in general. That was shocking to me to find out because you always think like it was this big smash single because it it was, but not to everyone. Hmm. We always forget that like. And I mentioned this, and there's a rag and bone I want to get into earlier in the thing, but like, take like Shakira, for example. Like, she was way more popular in terms of unit sales at that time than Jack White ever was. Maybe ever would be. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, popular music was going in a very different direction at the time than, than Jack White was going. He just kind sure. of bucked the trend and managed to, to find a foothold. Well, that's true. I mean, even now you see it. On a larger scale, we just saw the Grammys just aired and Adele was kind of gave this song and dance about how she felt Beyonce deserved the thing for Lemonade when she won the uh, album of the year, I think, for, for her album, Adele. But even though Beyonce's album was maybe more 
critically acclaimed, maybe more popularly perceived to be the bigger selling album, Adele outsold Beyonce. I think the thing was like five to one or 10 to one or something like that, like astronomically big sales numbers. And that's putting it at the echelon of Beyonce and Adele. Now, when you take those two, Jack is way down the list in terms of popular music. I mean, unless you consider the fact that Jack White was on Beyonce's record, but that's a different story. And the fact that Adele was on a Raconteur's single, and uh, which we'll yeah, which we'll get to later. She covered Many Shades of Black, and I think they included that on the single. And she loves playing that song live, which I found shocking. Ooh. Have you ever heard that? No, I have not. Seven Nation Army here. Uh, it hit mainstream rock tracks, so the Billboard mainstream rock track chart at number 12. So it charted lower on the mainstream, again, than the alternative one. So I don't know what they mean by mainstream. I assume if, like, Eric Clapton put out a new record, that would be considered mainstream. Hmm. And then it peaked in the UK at number seven on the singles charts. So what we see... Actually, as we go through here, Jack White is more popular in the United Kingdom through the bulk of his career than he is here, almost across the board. Now, that's a different musical market, but I found it interesting. We knew that he had this big connection to the UK, but just the extent of that, I never really realized was quite as large as it actually is. Hmm. So it spent a week in the top 10 in the UK, two weeks in the top 20, three is a top 40 song, six in the top 75, and an additional nine in the top 100. So it's had a good lengthy chart run in the UK. And it also had four separate chart runs, at least. It had its original run in 2003, again in 2007, and twice in 2012. So we're talking about a song that re-entered the charts all over the place, usually in conjunction with either somebody covering the song or the song being used in a commercial or whatever. Right. Didn't it chart this year too, or last year? I heard that it did, but I couldn't find evidence of that. If anyone can find that, Callie, please let us know. I would love to find out about that. The 2012 run is likely a ripple effect from this guy that was on the show, The X Factor. Marcus Collins covered it as his debut single, and he took it to number nine in the UK charts with his version of it, as well as performances in Ireland, Scotland, and Hungary. So it makes sense that Jax would re-enter the chart uh, because of that. I'm gonna fight him.
Certified Silver in the UK uh, with 245,822 units sold. A silver in the UK they call a lorry. It's called a lift, Paul. It's called a lift. A lorry. It was top 40 in Australia, Austria, and the Netherlands. In Germany, it was number four and went gold. Ireland and Italy was both number three there, and it was number 48 on the French charts. So the Fr- everyone else in the world is like, we love this. And the French were like, eh. <laughs> I give you number 48. Ah, I am French, Casey Quaison. Sacre blue blood blues. And now on with the countdown. That was a pretty sweet joke there, Jane. <laughs> you sound like Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. <laughs> Shout out to Triumph the Insult Comic Dog if you're listening. Yeah. It won a Grammy for Best Rock Song, and it made Best of List from just about everybody. Extremely popular in European football stadiums. In fact, it the people on the TV were singing it on the football game. The, we call it soccer on the soccer game i was watching waiting for my haircut today and i was like are they singing seven nation army oh they are (laughs) i will have a number two please (laughs) paul said in the bathroom (laughs) there was a guy in there though he was asking for requests and yeah, I mean, Paul just went with that one. Go for the gold, I always say. But, Paul, did it ever reach the true test of a hit? Which is, did it ever make it into a now that's what I call music? That's a good question. I did not factor in the now metric. Or b- Although, perhaps the kids bop metric. I have to believe no on both counts. Again, if you can find somebody find that. Or I tell you what, if that did happen, or if God forbid he's on a kids bop, I'm putting that in the blooper section of the show. Okay? Okay. I'll make that, I make that promise to you, the listener. Okay. Just one other thing. This was Jack's number three biggest hit as a songwriter. That would be his dream. He loves the threes. Really quickly, because we talk about this song a lot. I didn't know this. Seven Nation Army is how young Jack White used to mispronounce Salvation Army. Is it really? That's hilarious. I had no idea. We'll get into that on our elephant episode, I suppose. Kind of like I used to call any rapping uh, rapage when I was a little kid. Or root beard. Yeah, root beard. That was a good one. All right, let's keep this train a rolling, James. Track number two. Do you want to guess? Uh, well, no, no, <laughs> no. Fuck you. You don't get to guess. <laughs> Fine, then I won't. <laughs> yes. Hey, Polly Kasem, tell me what it is. It is fell in love with a girl. I should have known. With this fictitious album I was putting together, I was thinking, all right, you kick in the door with Seven Nation Army, and then you go bam, 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 and then you get the two biggest, like, sort of stripe songs people know, or you would think people know. Mm, mm. Fell in Love with a Girl was from the album White Blood Cells, released in 2001. The single was released in April of 2002, so it was kind of a late single, sort of not unusual considering the circumstances behind that album you have sympathy for the record industry releasing it first and then it moving on to v2 and so really when it goes to v2 and when it starts is when it starts to take off so it makes sense that some time had passed yeah chart position it did make the u.s hot 100 do you want to guess where if seven nation army was 76 do you want to guess where fell in love with a girl landed on the u.s hot 100 94 121 what 
That, it's off the Hot 100. Yeah, how could that be in the Hot 100 if it's not even 100? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's over 100, baby. It's on the loose. Oh, man. 121. Modern Rock, which again is the alt-rock chart, is it charted at number 12. Mm-hmm. So a good, a solid showing there. And the UK at number 21. So the UK Hot 100, there's a 100-degree swing difference between the US and the UK there. Wow, um, yeah. Which is significant. That's, yeah. In the UK, it was only top 10 for one week, though it stuck around in the top 100 for a total of four weeks, which is actually a short run for a, for a Jack song, as we'll kind of get into. Hmm. And James, that's going to lead to... Um, Something very, very special. Uh, I want you to, in your mind, I want you to build a house. Okay. And I want you to think, what would I use to assemble this house? Drywall. Yeah. And you drywall, a little bit of drywall, yeah. Cement. James, would you use Would you use maybe uh, something from an animal? No. <laughs> James, it's this week's Ragged Bow! It's a Ragged Bow! Explain to the good people what the hell Ragged Bone is. Well, I don't know how they wouldn't have gotten it from this intro to this segment, but Paul Ragged Bone is when we find a little tidbit of interesting, funny, odds and ends, Mm -hmm. confusing, possibly, confounding, probably, and overall weird bits of Jack White related information on the subject at hand that otherwise we wouldn't know where to put. So what we do is we take them and we mold them, we shape them, we put them into the forms of rags and bones and we insert them into this podcast segment like so. Called Rag and Bone. Now this Rag and Bone is a special two-part Rag and Bone because it's a game I started playing that I realized I hadn't the time to finish playing but I did for two songs. Okay. I went and found the Hot 100 chart in the UK that Fell in Love with a Girl was on. Mm. And I would like to read to you, James, some of the songs that performed better than Fell in Love with a Girl. A song we, in our minds, picture to be the cornerstone of Jack's success, the thing that started it all the lego video that everybody saw and everybody loved i'm gonna read to you some songs right now that outsold it and then we're gonna just go ahead and think about what we've done as a species (laughs) yeah always on time by ja rule all right um not the only time ja rule outsells jack white by the way james spoiler alert Uh, love. Okay. Love philosophy by Jamiroquai. Oh God. Uh, okay. All right. Yep. Get this party started by Pink. Oh God. First she wants to get the party started. Then she just wants to start a fight. What is it, Pink? With your yeah. exclamation point. Make up your mind, Pink. What's going on? I can't believe she outsults. I can, but I can't. This next one is way, way worse. Uh, How You Remind Me by Nickelback. Oh, no, Paul, no. Not just, like, outsold Fell in Love with a Girl, like, embarrassed Fell in Love with a Girl with how much it sold. All right, let's let's just state it here. We know that hating Nickelback is a meme. We know that it's it's a cliched thing, but uh, holy 
Paul. That's not right. <laughs> and this is in the UK where they're so much more lenient on Jack than we are. It, like, keep in mind, if the US Hot 100, he landed at 121, this list gets way, way, way longer. And I'm just cherry picking the funny ones, all right? <laughs> Uh, the next one, Hero by Enrique Iglesias. Uh, okay. <laughs> At least it's it. not Hero by Nickelback. And this is a hero can save us. Not minimum Spider-Man. I'll take Macy Gray over that any day. And, and Alfred Molina's in the next one. I'm not going to stand, <laughs> stand here and wait. <laughs> and uh, Whenever, Wherever by Shakira. Whatever, okay. whatever, I feel like I'm being together. <laughs> I'd like to think that... I'd like to think that some guy was, like, in a bar, like us, put on a Jack White song, and was, like in this nice bar and then a group of girls come in and just go on the jukebox and type it whenever wherever and everybody just starts dancing to it it's <laughs> hip hip swiveling song those are just some of the gems that outsold fell in love with a girl and then from there we're gonna stay in rag and bone land Ooh. when i tell you that track three of my jack white greatest hits lp is hotel yorba okay i found some songs that outperformed hotel yorba oh, on the uk album charts now this one peaked at number 26 on the uk singles charts so it did about the same but slightly less okay james these are so good okay all right so outsold or out outdid hotel yorba because i got high by afro no no (laughs) no 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 it didn't just paul don't tell me these things Think of the pedestal we put Hotel Yorva on, and then think about Afro Man just token his way past it. <laughs> just like, what pedestal? I smoked it already. That pedestal's gone. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, he was going to outsell the white stripes, and then he got high. <laughs> no, he did it. Why did he do it? Damn it, popular culture. What is wrong with you? Woof. Woof, woof, woof. Uh, Fallen by Alicia Keys. Not surprising. Right. Yeah, no, kind of fine. a respectable yeah, showing. Like uh, the Music's No Good Without You by Cher. Let's go ahead and just put on the big board here. Things were shocked that happened in the world. Um, things Cher supp- put out. <laughs> things were surprised by. In yeah. the year 2001. I guess it's not that long after Life After Love, I guess. I'm grasping for <laughs> share straws here. This has been a real rag and bono. Oh. I'm a Slave for You by Britney Spears. God. All right. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. I get yeah. why yeah, it, the big it's a thing, but... Uh, James is... For those of you listening, James has got his head in his hands... Just looking utterly defeated right now. This one's kind of insulting. Last night by the Strokes. Outso- <laughs> like embarrassed Hotel Yorba with how much more it sold. America was, was hot on the heels of having a second British invasion. I'll just chalk it up to that. Okay, fine. 
<laughs> this one and the last one are really, aside from Afro Man, the biggest gut punches. Um, Follow Me by Uncle Cracker. Ah, come on. <laughs> Hotel Yorba and Follow Me by Uncle Cracker. Yeah, no. Uncle, if, if... Uncle Cracker wins. Yeah. You know, if aliens were to come here and land on the Earth and be like, <laughs> Hello, Earth humans. Tell us of your good musical findings on this good yes. planet. What is so out? What is the most yes. popular thing that people everywhere love? And and we have all of this good good music. And then some dingus walks up with a with a <laughs> with a fucking CD yeah. and just hands it over. He's like, "Here you go. It's Uncle Cracker." <laughs> You heard the good word of Uncle Cracker. We will base um, our entire society <laughs> off of this Uncle Cracker CD. Thank you, Earth <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, and away man. they go. And that's how the Uncle uh, Cracker rights have yeah. started. Uh, and I'm Real by J-Lo featuring Ja Rule. That's <laughs> two. Two Ja Rule songs. Two. Dose. Those, Dose Rule. Those, that's the Ja Rules. That wasn't a good yeah. joke. You see, but it doesn't have to be good because if I've learned anything, it's that good good things can be overshadowed <laughs> by Uncle Cracker. Um, James, and that's going to be all of our ugly, <laughs> our ugly little rags and bones. Well, look at all this. You don't want that. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, track three on my fictional Jack White Greatest Hits is Hotel Yorba. It peaked at number 26 in UK singles charts. And it looks like there was a hard push for this one in the European market mainly, with 2001 releases of the single in UK and France being the only ones I could really find until the US Third Man release in 2005. Uh, it also, I think this is the live from the Hotel Yorba release too? Yes, it is. Uh, it has two songs live from the Hotel Yorba. Right. And it was recorded in room 286 in the, the Hotel Yorba, Southwest Detroit, May 2001. With help by raconteur Brendan Benson. Yes. And you know what I found? Uh, just a little tidbit about Hotel Yorba that we didn't cover on the White Blood Cells episode, episode two, uh, was that it was supposed to be in the movie 28 Days Later, but it was in a scene that was ultimately cut from the film. It involved a taxi cab full of people singing Hotel Yorba. Huh. I'll be damned. Yeah, and they also don't include it on the DVD for some reason. Uh, search me. So that brings us, James, to track four, a song that you mentioned in the beginning. It is a surprise to no one. It is Jack's second biggest hit as a songwriter and the Tours all-time biggest hit to the surprise of no one, Steady As She Goes. Mm, very good song. Good choice. Think about that. That's This, this one was bigger than... Seven Nation Army. Was it really? In terms of success. Are those the words you just told me? Because I... Yes. Seven uh, Nation wow. Army was number three, Steady As She Goes, number two. And I'm talking not from a musical standpoint. I'm talking purely commercial success. Yeah. Wow. Steady as she goes. I mean, that's weird. That is weird. I know. 
It's big. It's a big one. This, you know, we talked about Jack's struggle to crack the U.S. top 100, the hot 100, really, with anything. This one hit number 54, which is actually not a terrible showing for Jack. It's pretty high. I would say it may have had initial commercial success, but I would say Seven Nation Army has had more lasting power. I agree. That stuff, I'm not debating at all but as far as pure sales go that's how they were sort of ranking these things in terms of hits as a songwriter it's from the album broken boy soldiers released in may of 2006 the single was released in advance of that album in april of 2006 uh, it was also sort of released initially in january in the uk and in march in the u.s to coincide with the beginning of their live performances which we touched on in episode seven Right. This is a, uh, a major hit for the band, and also Jack in general. As far as chart performance, it hit the number one spot in modern rock tracks. That's that alternative music chart. Yeah. So number one, and it was uh, in U.S. mainstream rock. It came in at number 30, so that's pretty high for yeah. Jack. Again, you'd think it would be higher. If I had to guess, I would say, oh, steady she goes pretty mainstream. I would have guessed that went to number one. Our definition of mainstream is wildly different than the rest of america yeah yep we live in a jack white bubble yes we're in a bubble the u.s adult pop songs whatever the hell that is, sounds erotic that came in at number 19 on that in terms of digital downloads it came in at number 37 and in the uk hot 100 it came in at number four now that's a pretty high showing yeah it, uh, in terms of a mainstream sort of general chart. And to think in a, in a weird small section of time when Jack White was super popular, I think it was six years, we had mentioned it in a uh, previous episode, the Jack on TV episode part two, Trash Tongue Television episode part two. This is one of the very few times that Jack didn't win a VMA was for his tour album not that the vmas are the be all end all of course but right, it was right. it's a weird that it, it didn't it didn't make it into there if it's the biggest selling second biggest second, second biggest. biggest we haven't hit the first one yet oh, and the, uh, are you that that answer is gonna surprise you james i'm telling you it surprised the hell out of me just one last thing with this uh with steady as she goes it had a really really long run one of jack's longest and highest performing in britain it was two weeks in the top 10 another two in the top 20 another four in the top 40 and then was another 13 weeks in the top 100 this thing went and went and went it had a couple things going for it it had a huge year-long tour but particularly yeah. a summer tour and it also had the virtue of he was out there with his contemporaries in all these music festivals playing this song everybody was hearing it it was a big radio single and he was covering crazy and there's a lot of overlap with other popular artists of the time mm -hmm. big breakthrough for jack steady as she goes moving on from steady as she goes we get to our number five song on this side a of this lp dead leaves and the dirty ground ah yeah that's a that's a big hit of his show not as big as you might think but certainly a, a sizable enough hit where i was like okay yeah this this definitely has earned a spot on it mm -hmm. it was from the album white blood cells released in 2001 the single was released in september of 2002 it peaked at number 19 in the u.s hot modern rock track didn't chart anywhere else in the u.s and it peaked at number 25 in the uk singles charts so okay you know mm-hmm 
and it kind of came and went. It was spent one week in the top 40 in Britain and then two weeks in the top 75 and then it was gone. The third single from White Blood Cells released almost a year after Fell in Love with a Girl. It wasn't as big of a hit as we think it was, you know? Mm. I think it's the greatest hit to a Jack White fan, meaning it's one that everybody who is familiar with his music would consider it a hit for sure, but uh, you get a, a layperson, they wouldn't necessarily know it. I don't know if just it's just Jack fans. I think like rock and roll fans or indie fans would know that song because it had reach, but your average music listener in America probably, no. They're too busy listening to Uncle Cracker and Ja Rule. <laughs> then we get to track six on side A of this fictitious LP, a song that is the White Stripes' fifth all-time biggest hit this answer is going to surprise you. James, do you have a guess of what I'm going to say here? Is it going to be my doorbell? It is my doorbell. Ah, nice. Their fifth biggest selling single of all time as the White Stripes. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing it on the radio. So, But I never think of this one as a runaway hit, but no, it really was. Not. Yeah, I feel like I would have to explain this to people, but, you know, my wife knew it as one of the hits before I met her. She was familiar with some White Stripes songs, and, and My Doorbell was definitely one of them. So I, I guess, yeah, it had, it had, as you were saying, reach. Yeah, it was uh, from the um, Get By Me Satan, released in June 2005. The single was released in July. It hit on the U.S. Hot 100, number 116. Not bad. And then it hit in that alternative rock charts, number 13, which is high for him. And uh, in the UK, number 10. Hmm. Um, so that's that's pretty nuts. It was in the top 10 for one week, another week in the top 20, another two in the top 40, and then this is the craziest thing. Another 16 weeks in the top 100. Wow. That's, what, four months? A long, long time. Four, eight, 12, 16. Yeah, four months crazy legs on this thing it just stuck in people's heads and it, it is an earworm so it makes sense yeah pretty cool it was nominated for a grammy for best pop performance by a duo or group with vocals and there's a pretty sick reggae cover i'm gonna bust at you right now i'm thinking about my doorbell when you're gonna ring it when you're gonna ring it yeah i've been thinking about my doorbell say that is a musical styling Casey's aware of yes I I was mostly aware of it because it was the song I would constantly uh, be telling my grandfather papers about every time what? I would come over yes what I'm talking about my doorbell there's somebody at the door yes and I've been ringing it and I keep ringing it and you can't hear it is Peepers. it Amazon? Uh, you, I'm surprised you know what that is. Unless you're talking about the the river. I am a little pygmy guy. He brings me medicine. Oh boy, don't know if that's racist. I, uh, uh, like most old people, 
I am unfamiliar if that's offensive or not. Radio? Yeah, the radio. The radio is playing this song, which is very similar to what I'm asking you about. Which is every... Peepers. Look, I know you you hurt people in the last war that you were in. Radio? Many of them. Yes. You hit them on the head with a radio. You weren't actually in the war. You were just very confused. My name's Peepers. James, that brings us to Jack White's biggest selling single of all time. Yeah. James, I don't know if you're grasping the gravity of this situation here. It is not only Jack White's all-time biggest hit as a songwriter. It is the White Stripes' number one all-time biggest hit. This is the biggest impact he has had on charts and sales of music in his entire career and has not bested it since. Uh, it's, it's the air beneath my fingers. Paul, I'm ready for it. Hit me. Do you really not know? Because I, I, I couldn't even begin to guess. Okay, let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Let me try. It's not off his debut album, for sure. It's not off of Distyle. It's gotta be off of Icky Thump. It's probably Icky Thump. I'm guessing Icky Thump. No. Wait. 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 I'm slowly turning. No. Wait. It's Icky Thump. Icky Thump is my final answer. Icky Thump. Yes! Woo! James, I was shocked. I didn't even put Icky Thump on my list of probablys. I, I just... That song to me always felt like a jam song, like like a rock and roll tune that maybe rock radio kind of dug, but I never interpreted that as a hit, as a mainstream hit. This is, James, this is the White Stripes' only top 40 single in the U.S. Hot 100. It clocked in at number 26. Mm-hmm. That's some U.K. numbers right there. That's high as hell for Jack White. And that's all thanks probably to the double, 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 WB. Their marketing was really good for this album. They really went all out to market this album. Well, I mean, they had just had his last few albums had smash successes all, all over them. So, I mean, yeah. I get it. I get why they did it, and whatever they were doing worked. I love Icky Thump. It's one of my favorite songs of his, maybe my top in my top five for sure of all time from Jack White. I just I couldn't believe it. I, I was dumbfounded when I read that it was his biggest hit of all time. In the U.S. alternative rock charts, it hit number one. Mm-hmm. In uh, U.S. mainstream rock tracks, it was number 11. In the U.K. Hot 100, it was number two. Wow. that's It was only kept out of the number one spot by Afro-Man's because I got high. Oh. Umbrella. Ella. Ella. A. 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 Rihanna booted him out. He didn't get the number one. Well. Ain't that about a bitch. That's a deeply upsetting, Paul. But still, number two. Extremely good showing. It hit number 49 in Belgium, number four in Denmark, number 46 in Australia, number 21 in Ireland, number nine in Canada. There is a three minute and 50 second radio edit of the tune. I suppose the four minute and 17 second song was deemed too long for commercial radio. It, it marks the, this is, was close to being a rag and bone. It marks the one and only time the White Stripes ever appeared on the popular MTV countdown show Total Request Live or TRL. Whoa, that's going to be in the next television episode. And uh, Elizabeth, what, now that uh, the Backstreet Boys are gone, what are you, you going to start, what do you think people are going to be voting for? What are you going to vote um, for? I really like Smash Mouth All-Star. 
Yeah, I, I I don't know if it was actually in the chart. I would have to believe it wasn't, but they would often showcase new songs by popular artists, and apparently this was in that. It won a, a 2008 Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a duo or group with vocals. The, this is a sort of fun fact. The name of the track comes from a Northern England exclamation, Ecky Thump, a phrase popularized in an episode of the British sketch comedy series The Goodies. <laughs> They will find the gateway to age-old Lancastrian martial art of Ekithum. The album title was then changed to Icky so that, quote, teenagers would understand it better back in America, end quote. <laughs> well, Jack's Woof. doing something for the kids. <laughs> yeah, something for the children. And that's, James, that's side A. Wow. <laughs> what a side. What a side. Side B, James, kicks off with a bang. B B B B B B B B B. You were searching your brain cavity to find what you deemed to be Jack White solo songs that would have made it into this compilation here. This side B opens with one of his biggest, Love Interruption. Ah, right. Yeah. And I want love to change my friends to enemies. Change my friends to enemies. Show me how it's all my fault. When we leave Icky Thumpland, Jack mm-hmm. never really gets back to the heights he was in. Again, he just yeah. it just doesn't happen. It actually happens like twice, but in, in under different circumstances. Again, we will get to Love Interruption was off the album Blunderbuss, his first solo album released on April 23rd, 2012. The single was released in advance of the album uh, in March of 2012. Mm-hmm. UK singles, it performed abysmally for Jack, 126. A US adult alternative songs, so I guess that's a separate chart from the regular alternative Holy chart. And the uh, separate from the adult adult chart or whatever yeah. that was before here's where we get into this the hinky charts because like at a certain point jack's songs just start flying all over the place and none of them are in the hot 100 and they're all in these rando charts uh it hit number 12 in the adult alternative charts number 13 in the regular alternative charts in canada it hit number 72 in something called a heat seekers chart it hit number 12 <laughs> Canadian Digital Sales, number 52. Japan Hot 100, number 83. Rock Digital Sales, 17. Hot Rock Songs, 27. And Rock Songs Year End at number 88. So it did have reach. It did appeal to what it seems like a wide variety of people and backgrounds. But again, we're not seeing the kind of crazy, crazy sales and acceptance of an Icky Thump or, or even a Seven Nation Army. Mm, yeah okay from love interruption we go to so this one i made an exception for to get some inclusion from this group on this damn thing because they don't really have a lot of success in terms of singles okay but the the dead weather treat me like your mother yeah you would think wouldn't you wouldn't you you sick bastard 
<laughs> Here's my thinking. Treat me like your mother, I think, in the end, definitely had presence. But this song, the reason why I gave it this song is because Jack does share a vocal on it. It is Die by the Drop. Okay. Die by the Drop. This one was from the Dead Weather album Sea of Cowards, released in May of 2010. The album did fine. It debuted at number five in the Billboard Top 200, number three top rock albums. It sold 171,000 copies as of September 2015. Eh, not a whole lot, but, you know, that's okay. Mm. But the singles, the Dead Weather singles, really suffer. They never reach the heights of even Jack White solo stuff, which is net lower than the others. It hit number 20 in the U.S. alternative charts, which is pretty good showing for Jack. Yeah. And in mainstream rock, it hit number 36. This one really is the the most breakthrough that they kind of get. It had some mainstream radio play, but overall, aside from their albums charting well, this is not a hits band. Uh, this band is an art piece. It's an in thing for people in the know. It's just not a hit maker thing. It's a divisive band. I'd say I get where you're coming from. I would also argue that Treat Me Like Your Mother had, similar to Seven Nation Army, a more lasting appeal i won't say impact but appeal because you know treat me like your mother was released on garage band and i do recall it being played by friends who have never heard of the dead weather in yeah. garage band and, and that sort of stuff so i i think it not garage band rock band rock band but either way it had this presence on the radio and in popular culture that was i think a little more pervasive than die by the drop but uh, you may be right about that. Treat Me Like Your Mother did hit number 40 on the modern rock charts, lower than Die by the Drop. And in the UK, it hit number 168. As far as I could tell, Die by the Drop did not chart in the UK. Again, this is not a singles band. It's just not. When I was going into this, the ones I guessed would be on here was... I was going to try and give Cut Like a Buffalo some slack. And I was hoping Blue Bud Blues maybe because that is a jack vocal. But there are really only, uh, I think, four songs that had any kind of chart presence at all. Hang You Up From The Heavens, Treat Me yep. Like Your Mother, Die By The Drop, and I Feel Love Every Million Miles. That's it. Even Impossible <laughs> Winter, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find a thing. Such a good song, though. Um, Which is a disappointment, because it's so good. It is a really good song, and the video is so good, too. Anyway. Right. So, uh, not, to d not to dwell on the dead weather, but that's kind of the dead weather's entry into this, which is Die by the Drop. And, in all fairness, it's a Kojak vocal, and I kind of took that into account, because, like, it'd be a little weird if suddenly Jack didn't sing on a song on his own damn greatest hits. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. That was kind of my thinking there, and plus, I think by all metrics that I was going by, it really is the most successful they ever had. 
Um, from Die by the Drop, we go to another Jack solo entry, Another Way to Die, featuring Alicia Keys. Uh, yeah, on the 007. Yeah, Quantum of Solace soundtrack released in uh, October of 2008 in the U.S. Hot 100. So Jack now breaks back into the Hot 100 with number 81. Again, right. that's that seems low. It's a little lower than uh, Seven Nation Army, but... He doesn't really get much higher than that, except for with Iggy Thump and Steady As She Goes. His presence in the music industry was rising. Like his his uh, fame in, as a producer and as a musical wizard was was becoming more prevalent. But his fame in the wider audiences was becoming less and less. So even though you know it's a big deal to be on a 007 soundtrack, most popular artists of the time are are on them. But I do recall my best friend Elliot telling me in the parking lot of McDonald's going like, oh yeah, I saw the new 007 the other day. Uh, your, your guy that you like, Jack Black, he was, he was singing in it. And I was like, all right, well, at least you recognize that this man, you know, maybe it's not the right man, but... Yeah. <laughs> a man? You realize a man sang that? Yes. So he was becoming less relevant to popular culture, but people still had him in their brains. Uh, yeah, I, look, the point of this episode isn't to take a big dump all over modern Jack White. I prefer <laughs> modern Jack White to early Jack White anyway, and I know that can be blasphemous to say in some circles, but I feel like he's learned a lot. I feel like I like his music generally more now. It, it's really not to do that. I'm su- I'm purely looking at this from a cold, clinical point of view of like what sold and what didn't. And honestly, these answers really did surprise me, uh, although I did know about Another Way to Die because we talked about that a little bit. Uh, on another episode in the UK it hit uh, number nine and it was in the top 10 for two weeks in the top 20 for another two top 40 for another six and then another nine weeks in the top 100 it was top 40 for six weeks which is very long for Jack seven eight nine ten it was top 40 for 10 weeks which is really not bad at all uh and it it debuted lower and then climbed to number nine after uh, about seven weeks into its run it debuted at number 26 and then rose steadily steady as she rose then came another kind of surprise for me it is the last white stripes entry into my fictional jack white greatest hits album it kind of surprised me how big of a hit it was uh, although we did just talk about it but it sold the pants off of like some songs that you'd think were bigger sellers uh blue orchid oh yeah this is the white stripes third all-time biggest hit and jack white's fourth biggest hit as a songwriter in his entire career that's bananas because i write this song off all the time (laughs) you just mic all over it i know i really do in the u.s hot 100 that's the that's the shining chart on the hill we're all trying to get to the top of hot 100 came in at number 43 
So very nearly another top 40. Yeah. Good showing. Yes. U.S. alternative rock tracks at number seven, very high. Mainstream rock tracks at number 32. And then the U.K. came at number nine, uh, which is very high. It spent one week in the top 10, another two in the 20, and then two more in the 40, and then stuck around for another 10 weeks after that. So it was a very long run. And as we mentioned in the Get Behind Me Satan episode, this was number one in Canada. So... Canadians love this thing. <laughs> Very good. So then from Blue Orchid, we travel on over to a song that some of you may hate. I don't care if you do. I think it has earned a place on this chart for its commercial success alone, even though it's technically a Jack White feature. But Don't Hurt Yourself, I put on side B. Is it from The Lemonade? Yes, Jack White with Beyonce. Now, I know this is primarily a Beyonce song. I get it. But if Another Way to Die made it, I really have to count Don't Hurt Yourself, particularly because it was so damn popular. Yeah. The album Lemonade by Beyonce was released in April of 2016. (laughs) This was in the Hot 100, one of Jack's biggest, number 28. Wow. Jack White co-wrote this song and produced it and plays on it and hand has a vocal on it, which was one of the criteria I was basing this on. In the UK, it came in at number 126, so the UK did not get it. Hot R&B and hip-hop songs came in at number 16. Hmm. Okay. Jack's only solo top 40 hit. Unsurprising with the popularity of that album. Yes. And then the last song on my fictitious greatest hits... Hit me with that heat, Paul. It's one I had to close the album on because it's one of my favorites. I'm fudging this a little bit, but not really. It really has earned its place, and I'll explain why. Lazaretto. Ah, yeah. Uh, Lazaretto, uh, very, very good song, <laughs> and I do remember it having some some lasting cultural overlap into weird uh, places I'd hear it on the radio or in malls and, and that sort of stuff. So good tune. Good, good tune, indeed. And it's from the album Lazaretto, and it was the album was released in June 2014, and the single was released in May of 2014. Uh, in mainstream, Rock Tracks came in at number 25, pretty high for Jack. Rock Airplay chart, it came in at number 9, so this thing was getting played all over the place. That's high. Yeah. Expl- explains your burgers and fries. In adult alternative songs, it came in at number 20, Regular alternative songs came in at number nine. Again, very high chart placement in that particular chart for Jack. Canadian Hot 100 at number 98. Heat Seekers songs at number 19. The Japan Hot 100 at number 97. Rock Digital songs at number 19. And Hot Rock songs at number 15. us to the end of the LP. Woo! Good showing. That's a lot of good songs, a lot of surprises, some upsets. Yeah. A lot of surprises. Mostly joy. Yeah. And so with that, I'm just going to really quickly go over the CCDD. 
CCDD. So the CD where I gave myself 21 songs, I added a few more in. I'm not going to go into crazy detail on this. Just know that it's freaking bananas. You don't know what love is. You do as you're told. Made the cut. Yes, that I've, I've heard that on radios too. Uh, surprising song, but album was a hit. Big hit for him. The hardest button to button. Yep. That should have been higher. I'm surprised it's that's lower. I'll post all the different chart rankings and things on the show notes so you guys can see, but it, it didn't perform as well as you think. I just don't know what to do with myself. Hmm. Pretty big hits. Weird. Okay. Decently sized hit. 16 saltines. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Denial Twist got robbed because it's the number, I think it's the number five biggest white stripes single of all time but i kicked it out for some other things that i felt were more representational of his career like die by the drop and a couple others but really in a universe that's fair denial twist should have made it okay so you were going on a more expansive catalog whereas you weren't trying to be exclusively you were doing a producer's job an engineer's job i was except Denial Twist is the only anomaly. If I had allowed myself one more song, Denial Twist would have been there in a heartbeat, but I wanted to keep it to 13 tracks for the three. Gotcha. Jolene? All right, yeah. Monster hit in the UK. Monster hit. Hmm. But nowhere else. Broken Boy Soldier made the cut. Huh. All Uh, right. The Rack's number two biggest song. Mm. Yeah. I would have thought Stones Will Shout was there. But, you know, actually, to be serious, I thought I would have thought Five on the Five would have made it because, no. you know, uh, the NFL even uses that in their some of their promotional stuff, and it's in films and stuff like that. I, I mean, I'll get, I'll get to that. I was really close with that one, but in the end I didn't put it on here. Uh, and then I have Freedom at 21, which did all right too. You mentioned Five on the Five. It was actually Salute Your Solution. That was the big one. Oh, yeah, that would have been another big one, yeah. Uh, five on the Five was not a single and did not chart anywhere, but Salute Your Solution was. Uh, and then that one, that one did have some respectable success. It was the Rack's fifth biggest hit. The, I mean, look, there's a lot more here. We are way past overtime, but there's a lot more here in terms of like what I found in terms of the things that were a hit. I mean, maybe we'll go back into it and do this another day. And uh, just for clarification... You are correct. Salute Your Solution was the song I was thinking of for the NFL. They yeah. used that. But Five on the Five right. was used in a at least one movie, which was the one about the, the, the bike messengers. Premium Rush, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This is just, I mean, it's pretty much a rag and bone, but Jack White's only entry that I could find into the adult contemporary chart is uh, old enough from the Raconteurs uh, album Consoles of the Lonely. It hit number seven in the adult contemporary charts. Adult Contempo. <laughs> yeah. Jackie White. <laughs> so, James, on that note, let's kick it to our third woman for this week. Uh, let's kick it to our third woman. Okay, so welcome to our third woman this week, Amy Hart. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. How are you? It's good to good to hear from you. 
Yes, it, I, I heard Adrian last week, and I just had to I had to be a part of this. Yeah, we very much appreciate it. It was great having Adrian on, and we were really thrilled to hear you wanted to come on the show. So this is great. It's awesome to have you here. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Yeah. So, Amy, you work in radio. Is that correct? Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and um, and how you got started in radio? Sure. I um, I've been working in commercial radio for about fourteen years. And I was on college radio for a couple of years before that. I've literally wanted to do radio since I was about six years old. So this is something I've always dreamed about doing and got, uh, you know, a lot of no's before I got yeses. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people told me that I didn't want to do ra- You don't want to do radio. And I was like, but I do want to do radio. So I uh, dumped the boyfriend that told me I didn't want to do it and just started taking classes. It was literally as simple as that. They will let anybody on the radio pretty much (laughs) as long as you uh, show up on time and do your shift. So that's uh, kind of how I got started. And then after working a couple of jobs after I graduated college, I got hired at the station that I'm still at today. That was my first and only commercial gig, and I'm still doing it 14 years later. So Nice. Wow. That is awesome. You're in music radio, right? Did you did you have aspirations of becoming a news broadcaster or anything like that, or did you always aspire to be in music radio? Always music. I love music so much, and I'm not gifted enough to be in a band. So this is about as close as you can get. You get to play music all day without doing the work. So hey, that's why I'm in. I'm doing this here podcast. Uh, <laughs> See, uh, so I, you understand. You understand. I one hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I have a guitar. My wife can attest that I can play notes that are not usable on stage. But hey, <laughs> that's why I talk about the music. Exactly. So, and I, I grew up, I love pop culture. I love music. And I was the kid that would spend hours with my records and my CDs, learning the producers and where the album was made. So I just kind of grew up knowing all of that stuff. And I thought, well, what better way to use all that useless information than to get a job in radio? So that's what I did. James and I also came from a musical household. And so that kind of thing, learning what a producer was, learning what an engineer was, all of that was sort of standard fare in our house. So I think we can relate for sure. Yeah. As well as relating to finding an outlet for all this useless information that we have. Yes. Uh, Useful. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. If I'm ever on Jeopardy, I'll be I'll be good. Yeah, I'll call you. You'll be my lifeline. <laughs> if I ever had to say who is Fats Kaplan in regular life, I would be fucking <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> um, uh, Amy, my Amy, my brother-in-law works in radio. He was actually in Texas as well. His name is uh, Adrian Roundtree. He goes by AD. You guys never crossed paths, did you? Unfortunately, no. And I'm about five, five and a half hours from Dallas. And I'm about seven to Austin. So I'm way in my own little world up here in the Texas Panhandle. Okay, fair enough. I, I know nothing of Texas geography. So yeah. pardon, pardon my ignorance. I, yeah, I'm actually yeah. I'm actually closer to Oklahoma City and Albuquerque than I am to Dallas or anywhere else in Texas. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, excuse our ignorance of Texas. Yeah. Uh, New Jersey, you drive five minutes and you're in another state. Yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah. I'm not used to that at all. So we brought you on today. We're doing a show about Jack's greatest hits and sort of what constitutes a greatest hit. And today's 
definition is a little bit different than in generations past because I feel like there are a lot more factors that go into what we would perceive as a greatest hit now simply because there are so many more avenues for these kinds of things to be released on. The old standby of seeing where a chart position was I feel like isn't always a 100% reliable gauge on something that may have gained extreme notoriety on the internet or or from a film or or get significant radio play. There's so many more outlets for creativity and and success, opportunities for success, that it's harder to sort of gauge that. So you said you work in classic rock, which is sort of a different beast because there's more hindsight involved there. You can kind of see what history shook out to be a greatest hit and what didn't. So my question is really twofold. What's the cap on defining a classic rock radio song that you would want to put on or uh, would find itself on a list to put on and also can you give us some insight into what constitute a greatest what constitutes a hit in radio that would make it to some list to play sure um usually with radio with classic we look back 20 to 25 years so now we're talking nirvana we're talking soundgarden and pearl jam and all those great grunge bands And we're actually, on our station, we've even pushed it to Green Day's Good Riddance, which we're talking late 90s. Yes, 97, I want to say? 97, 98. That was my graduation song in 98. So (laughs) it was right around there. Um, And then we're even playing Smooth by Rob Rob Thomas and Santana. So (laughs) we're talking 99, 98, 99 now. But they really do blend in. And that was the weird thing for us because... You know, the first time you put it on the air, you're just looking at the phones, like waiting for people to call and be like, why are you playing this? And (laughs) that's it's always hard to test the limits just to kind of see how people are going to react to certain things. Uh The first time we played Tone Loke on our station, that was a big deal. (laughs) Um, But nobody called. Nobody thought anything of it. So far, nothing, Nathan, nada. All right. And I think that's part of classic, what we do is hits because it's more pop related. Um, so we're playing MC Hammer and we're playing these, you know, more pop oriented songs. But you start realizing that they're so ingrained in people's pop culture and in their brain, they don't think twice about it anymore. So when you hear Green Day, like my mom's singing along to it and I'm like, how do you know this song? But it's been everywhere. Yeah. That's funny. So you guys are about a year out then from the White Stripes' first album. So I, I guess we, you guys got like a, like kind of a five-year window before Jack's sort of hits kind of start making their way to classic rock. Although I feel like there might be some uh, S- Seven Nation Army's already starting to overlap in some stations. Is it? Yeah, yeah. You know, but I could see our station playing Dead Leaves easily. I think it's sure. one of those songs that's very ingrained but i think people would they wouldn't think twice about it it kind of sounds old in a sense it has this great melody you can sing along to that's really what we look for
not a lot of dirgy songs or anything like that, but I think mm-hmm. Jack could easily fit on our station next to the Kinks and next to the Stones and Led Zeppelin. Yeah. I think a good definition for some stations, at least, is that a song that is recognizable to almost anyone that has paid any attention to the music scene in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, but is someone who is also not relevant anymore, or that song is not relevant anymore. Like that song has, its time has passed, so to speak. I don't want to say that in a way that it's like Seven Nation Army's time hasn't passed, but at the same time, it kind of has, it's it's turned into something else other than a charting song. It's now something that's just a culturally ingrained song, like you were saying, ingrained, yeah. If I'm understanding you correctly, the... The criteria is a little flexible with classic rock radio, as long as it sounds like it could fit in and some semblance of time has passed since it's released, it would fit into a playlist that you guys would put together. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. I think even, you know, I don't know if Fell in Love with a Girl would really fit right in with our stuff, but I think even Hotel Yorba could probably work. You know, I think it just kind of depends on the station and it depends on who the program director is. I'm the music director here at our station. And so there's always a discussion about every song that we play. And then we kind of test the waters and see what it's going to do. And if people respond positively to it or we don't hear anything, that's usually the best sign when you don't get the crazy phone calls. Uh, (laughs) But even when you do, you have to think, well, if that's just one person and, and not all four lines are ringing, then we're probably doing something right. Interesting. What's the directive for a modern hit? How do you guys know what's a modern hit? Do you check charts or how does that work? A lot of times, well, even when I was in college radio, you know, they send you, and now it's MP3s, so it's a lot easier, but they send you a stack of CDs and it's all the singles that they're wanting to release. And then you literally sit down and you listen to all of them. And you just start, as a music lover, you start thinking, okay, is this something that people can sing along to? College radio is fun because you can go, well, this is kind of a quirky song. And I think that this might pique people's interest just for being weird and different. And I think that's part of the glory of the White Stripes getting on the air when they did was because you had the the bands. You had the hives, you had the vines, the, the strokes. garage bands and they all had the the names they all they all had their unique sounds but i think that the reason why we're sitting here talking about the white stripes and not the vines is because they had the longevity but they also sounded different and they had Mm -hmm. that quirky unpolished thing going on (laughs) 
garage bands, and I'm using my air quotes, um, <laughs> were very highly produced garage bands. And yeah. I think that's what I loved about the Stripes. And, and hearing them on college radio, I, I still, even then, I was like, these guys don't sound like the other ones. Sure. Mm. They are really garagey, which I loved, you know. Like, you can tell they're in a basement somewhere. Absolutely. There's a there's a timeless quality to the music, partly because Jack was pulling from so many sources from throughout the history of recorded music, from the Delta Blues through the 50s, 60s folk, through the Stooges era, through the beat groups, and all the way up to sort of flat duo jets and Nirvana and things like that. There's these through lines that he's injecting in his songs that... I feel like allow them to be not only accessible by a lot of different age groups, but to also make them seem ahead of their time or at the very least fit in with any time you might want to listen to them. So Amy, the gimmicks, we often talk about the gim- the White Stripes gimmicks and how they helped shine a light on the group to a broader audience. When you were first introduced to the White Stripes, what piqued your interest the most? Was it purely the music or was it the sort of the aesthetic of the band? Oh, these are only two people. They're only ha- they have this color scheme. What was it about them that, that hooked you in? And grabbed you that first time. Well, I think it was all of it, really, because the first time I heard them was playing Fell in Love with a Girl on college radio. And I was yeah. new to it, and everything was exciting. And I was like, oh, man, all every song, I was like, I want to know more about these artists. Here we are back to the reading the liner notes. You know, I wanted to know their story and where they came from. And then when I saw them and I saw the color scheme, and I'm like, well, this is interesting. Now mm-hmm. they've taken it up a notch. So... You know, unlike the Strokes, who are wearing their leather jackets and they've got that thing going on, which, is, you know, I was like, well, it's cool, but it's kind of been done. This was it felt like nothing yeah. I'd really ever seen before. And that's unique on college radio to really go, wow, they've got a sound. They're imperfect. They have this cool video that's Legos. So they're bringing <laughs> that back, which is really cool. Yeah. And then I think seeing them on the MTV Music Awards when they did Fell in Love with the Girl... And I was like, wow, these guys are just, they're their own kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I really, really dug them. I guess when you were in college radio, were you doing a, um, a specific genre of music that at that point, or were you just playing hits at the time? Uh, we did a little bit of everything. We did mainly hits of the time, and then you know we had special shows. So we had an indie show, and that was where a lot of that kind of stuff would be played normally. Um, but mm. because all of these garage-type bands were hitting at that time, that was kind of the popular thing. I think, I'm not sure who our music director was at the time, but I'm sure it was literally his decision. Are we going to play this band or not? And so something had piqued his interest as well. So I would love to send him an email and see what he says about that. (laughs) Like, why did you pick them out of all the bands? But yeah. (laughs) And usually it, it comes down to watching the charts. Like you said, you watch the charts, you see what other markets are doing and you can literally look at Billboard and say, wow, this band went from not even on the radar to number 60 within one week. You know, what are they doing? And so 
you immediately go listen to it and see what's going on and why are we not playing this band? Maybe we should. So you kind of go from there. Nice. That's interesting. Out of Jack's hits, do you have any standouts that have been, in your experience, especially popular to play on the various genres of shows and things like that? If you had to boil it down to Jack songs that had the biggest impact. And I think I could hazard a guess as to the, as to which songs those might be, but are there any standouts to you? Well, you know, uh, one that always comes back in my mind is we're going to be friends because oh. the minute Napoleon Dynamite hit, that's it. Yeah. It became like this pop culture thing again, you know, so he has this very unique way of, you know, bringing himself back to pop culture, which I love. Um, And so that became one of those that kids knew it, grandparents knew it, everybody wanted to hear it, and it was very simple. The fly knew it. Yeah, it was very simple, it's not overdone, and people love that song. That's that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, and Napoleon Dynamite, we had talked about this on a prior episode too, it's like, yeah, I had friends who had never listened to to a Jack White song or a White Stripes song humming that song, and I was like, Wow, that was a stroke of either luck or brilliance on Jack's part by, by <laughs> including that song in the film. In such a prominent uh, way, too, because that's how it opens. Would there be any choice of the entire Jack... Well, let's 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 limit it to White Stripes. If, is there a choice of White Stripes songs that you think should make it into a greatest hits? Oh. Or in, into a... Uh, should have been a hit of the time, or was one of your personal favorites? that you would have liked to hear more radio play on? You know, I'm trying to think. Uh, One of my other favorites is Hardest Button to Button because it is another one of those, a very super simple chorus. Mm -hmm. Anybody can sing along to it. The first time you hear the song, you already know the chorus because it's so easy. Um, And that Mm -hmm. makes a great radio hit. Is that kind of, you hear it once, you already know the whole song. Yeah, that's always one I forget was as popular as it was, actually. I I always felt at the time that Seven Nation Army overshadowed that song so much that it always seemed like an afterthought to me. But that really stuck in in the zeitgeist because The Simpsons made reference to it. You hear people who are just casual music listeners who aren't like Jack White ultra fans or anything that know that song because partly because of the video is so compelling yeah the video for that versus seven nation army is night and day like the video for seven nation army is less remembered than the video for hardest button to button because that one was so iconic in its implementation and and videography and and technique and all this other stuff you know it was very different whereas the um seven nation army video though interesting and cool was a little bit more stagnant and, and dizzying. Uh, yeah, well, that too. Uh, I love sure. that video so much, though. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, and my doorbell was an interesting one to hear on college radio because you know it's this piano-driven song, and it kind of sounds old-timey a little bit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think people were like, "What is this doing on a college radio station?" But it fits somehow, and he always makes that happen. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, it's weird. I remember, not with my doorbell specifically, but with Martyr for My Love for You off of Vicky Thump, I heard that playing in Best Buy once, <laughs> and that was a that was a mind trip, because I was like, well, wait a minute, this song isn't a hit, really, but people would recognize it if they knew Icky Thump. Like, it was it was this weird song, because, like, I, I, didn't, I never really assumed a lay person, for lack of a better term, would know what Martyr for My Love for You is. <laughs> right? You're like, who... 
at this place knows the song and to put it on the radio, but whatever. Right, and I think I've I think I've said it before, but in the podcast, I heard Lazaretto playing at a Five Guys Burgers and Fries one day, yeah. and that's when I knew that that Lazaretto had become a hit because I was like, oh, okay, the Five Guys people like it. It's, it's a hit. I was really surprised that the station that I was at, my college radio station, they were playing Highball Stepper for a while. And I thought that was a really interesting choice because I'm like, there's no words. Like, it's just an instrumental and you're playing it in, you know, 2014. Like, it's just, or 2015. And that just seemed really interesting to me. Like, wow, you went with that one, huh? Like, it's just (laughs) kind of odd. But but every time it was on, I would crank it up as loud as my radio would go and I would listen to it at full blast. And that's awesome. Good choice for them, I guess. Yeah. I'd love, I can't wait till we talk about that song on the Lazaretto episode because I have many <laughs> thoughts. I love it. I really do. I just want, I want to remix it. So I want to take them woo woos at those. I want to take them down. I want to take them down just a notch because they can be so grating. And that song is such an awesome groove. But when you've got woo 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 it, it really drives me crazy. But I love the song. <laughs> I love it. I do. I just, that's a mixing, whatever. Uh, I have one last question for you here. (laughs) Oftentimes what we see with Jack's albums and what he deems as single worthy songs from them, we'll see a single precede the album. We'll see a follow-up single shortly after the album's released, sometimes two. And then there's always one oddball single that lands five months after the album is released. In your experience, do you have any insight as to the logic of a time frame of single releases? Is it really a way to keep an album on the charts? Is it a way to maintain airplay? Do you find that there is a correlation in popularity between a single's release in proximity to the album's release? Do you have any thoughts on that you could share with us? Yes, it is all about making the the dough, all about making the money. So, yeah, the minute it starts, I think, sliding a little bit down the charts, they're like, okay, which one are we going to put out, you know? And so sometimes, yeah, sometimes they'll say, all right, that one's good, and I'm already moved on, on to another album, and let's go ahead and shelve it. But, yes, I think ultimately it comes down to we, we need more money, we need to ge- generate some more sales, and, and that's what they, you know, they got to – pull the ace out of the pocket and, and throw another single out. So Wow. So really, it's almost a bad omen if you see a single released <laughs> yeah. late, later in the game because you know then it's going to be a little while before you get another release. Yeah, probably so. I mean, probably uh, not a Raconteur's album coming out anytime soon. You know, who knows? I mean... Yeah, we all we all know that. <laughs> yeah, we're in the middle of the Great Jack drought. Yeah, and, uh, uh. the last single, the last official single proper from an album was Impossible Winter, and that was last year, and that was five months and change after the Dead Weathers Dodge and Burn album came out, and it was just it's always struck me as like, what we're still talking about that album? What what? Let's get something new going, guys. But. What you're saying makes perfect sense in the uh, in the scheme of things there. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't released another one off of that one just to be like, <laughs> hey, remember this album? Wasn't it great? Go buy yeah. it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul, I've been racking my brain for the past, since you said J- great dra- Jack drought, I've been trying to come up with an El Nino pun for Jack White. <laughs> I just can't. Um, I just wanted to throw these cards on the table that that, that joke exists. <laughs> yeah. I just can't piece it together because the beer is not letting my brain click it into place. So 
<laughs> it exists. That's... All I remember about the last two months is giving a guest lecture at Villanova. Or maybe it was a street corner. It exists in all of our hearts. And uh, on that stunning cliffhanger, uh, <laughs> we are going to uh, we're gonna wrap things up here in this segment. We wanted to thank you so much again for joining us. Amy, do you have anything you want to plug while you're on the show here? A bit, perhaps your radio station, a show uh, on the sh- on the station? Sure. Um, I'm on 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central Time on 100.9 The Eagle in Amarillo, Texas. You can find us at 1009theeagle.com. Of course, check out the Third Man Record Collectors on Facebook. I'm one of the admins there. And uh, nice. thanks to all my awesome friends I've met through the TMRC. Thanks to Boat and to Amy Dunn. Weather Denver, and of course, my friends Austin and Nolan, Raina, Adrian, Christina Condor, all the girls. Thanks to all of them. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And a thank you from both of us to, to that collector's group as well. We enjoy spending time on there, and we enjoy that you guys are very lenient on our promotional posts, shall I say, on your page. <laughs> It was a good idea to put one of the admins on. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I do my best to keep it collector. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, give like... you, I'll give you a little love this time. And, you know, the other okay. two will probably be like, what are you doing? Like promoting them. What? What is this? No, it's, well, it's I, good. I've been I've been doing my best to keep it to keep it collector. Keep it keep collector. It yeah. Well, we appreciate the support <laughs> and uh, thank you again so much for being on the show, Amy. And come on and join us again soon. We would love to have you back. And I think we're going to get back to the show now, James. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's been our show. We're gonna just we're just gonna plow right through the end here. We thank you for joining us as always, and uh, and a major thanks to Amy Hart for joining us as our third woman for this week. Thank you, Amy. You were tremendous. Yes, thank you so much. We enjoyed talking to you. Uh, you were lovely. Thank you. James, I'm just going to fire right through these here. We got a couple shout-outs. We got our regulars. We got Jeremy Riles. We got Kelly Durga. We got Adrian King. Andre Lyman. Eileen Corsano. And (laughs) I'd also like to give a shout-out to some new people. Andre Zelenko. I'm I'm going with more of a zapper quality. Uh, Matt... Saunderson Ree, <laughs> Stephanie Sicard, <laughs> Carl Webb on Twitter, <laughs> and also at the Jen and Juice, uh, which is a very fun pun there. Thank you. Thank you to Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the theme song, We're the Third Men, that we play. We love it, Sam and Tom. You're the best. Also, thank you to Susanna Browntree for the intro and outro to our program. You're the best. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why Paul turned into a super fast robot (laughs) all all of a sudden there. But yeah, thank you guys. The song and the intro are great, and uh, we love you guys. Uh, You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash thirdmen or on Twitter at thirdmencast. James, if you want to go to Tumblr, you can go to... thirdmanpodcast.tumblr.com or you could go to our website and see our show notes where you can see all the crazy ass research I did at thethirdmen.wordpress.com That's right. Or if you have any uh, facts you want us to smell or if perhaps you have any breaking downs that we have to stop you can email us at our gmail 
which is thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, you could search us on YouTube. I do some visualizers occasionally for the show. You could rate, review, and subscribe. It would be super helpful if you did because it gets more peepers on our program and what? we need more of that. Radio? But yes, peepers. Yes, I'm aware. What? I'm aware. There's you- a man at the door and I'm cold. That's because you came to the door naked, Peepers, and the man is me. My name's Peepers. Go go back inside, Peepers. I. You can go to to Podomatic to listen to our show. (laughs) You? How do you know about that? Podomatic. (laughs) I heard about it on Fox and Friends. You? You probably think it's a bathroom. (laughs) I took a dump in it. You took the number two. Uh. My name's Peepers. <laughs> Guys, if you have any questions for us or for <coughs> for us or for or about Jack White, we're doing listener question episodes now occasionally, so feel free to shoot them at us on our Facebook or on our Twitter or on our Gmail. So uh, please keep the questions coming. We'd love to answer them for you on, on the air. We'll answer whatever we get. That's our promise to you. Yes. Uh, and that's going to do it for us this week, James. Until next week, we are on here every Wednesday. Until next week, I'm going to be looking for a number one home. <laughs> I'll be looking for a home on that hot billboard chart. See you next week, everybody. Bye. My name's Beepers. Okay. Bye. There's a man at the door. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. you do like jack like dick clark but like 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 james like dick i don't clark. i don't know a dick clark accent. hi i'm dick clark <laughs> my name is dick boy i looked young until i died i i wish i could do a carson daily but i don't i don't have a carson hi daily. i'm carson daily <laughs> well now, Carson, you sound an awful lot like Dick Clark. My first name is Carson. Um, I say yeah, it daily. So- <laughs> oh, God. Get in the car, son. Um, Whoa! <laughs> look. The they're not all wins. gems. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right, so you... Go next one, go to next one. Yeah, no, we we just went out. She just pooped. <laughs> and she's climbing on literally everything. 
and eating the trash. She's got an envelope in her mouth. Does that envelope contain the next hit song? It does contain the next hit song. Casey Kasem looks like the end of a cigarette before the it shakes off into the ashtray. <laughs> Oh yeah I would love it if we James at some point in this episode I don't want to know when I'm going to go ahead and need you to give me a prompt To bring Peepers back Because he's my new favorite thing But I The important thing James The actionable intelligence here is I don't want to know when (laughs) To be a complete surprise The thing is Peepers doesn't even know when What? Radio? Beepers. Yeah, uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> Continue on. I love, I love, we're not bread and milk people. What are you talking about? Like, we're yeah. beer and pizza people. Like, get it together. Are you serious? Yeah, what's, what is this, the Ritz? Bread and milk. Yeah. What are we going to make with that? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine, like, cereal, like, yeah. uh, I guess I could make bread cereal, like, por- I don't know. You're I like French know. toast for days. I don't know. <laughs> we don't have yeah. any cereal, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. Say what, say what, say what. Well, now you're scaring me, James. I'm going to talk really close to the microphone and see if that makes the sound go larger. <laughs> All I see is your eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna try and keep it to a tight hour. (laughs) We're gonna try and keep it to a tight hour, he says. Yeah. It's the tightest hour. (laughs) So we're 50 minutes down. We got 50 minutes to go. Uh, James, that interruption went straight. (laughs) You did it, Jabber the Chance. But my Casey case of knowledge is very limited to Saved by the Bell. <laughs> Some weird mixed CD dad gave me when I was like 11 and Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Yeah. Um, That's all I got. 